2: Guys, of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and John on ScoreNorth and ScoreNorth.com. Gentlemen, Twins fans around the universe, tighten your belts because things could get dicey this week in the American League Central. The Twins have a one-game lead over the Guardians. As we sit here recording this, I am at Grandview Lodge up in northern Minnesota for some Hubbard Radio Company meetings in a very Lavish looking hotel room. Mm. I must say so.
0: Potential endorsement too. Like
2: if they if Phil if here they want to for...
0: knock at the door and, and be like, <laughs> we'll give you a lot to talk about. us, you'll be like, hey, I love Grandview. Though.
2: There's a Keurig in here. I don't even drink coffee, but I might have to start hey. today. Very nice. Oh, I love a good che-
0: love Good hotel Keurig is the key to life, man. You can get yeah. your day started right with caffeine.
2: Someone came by to give me a foot rub this morning. I don't know if they work here or not, but uh, the amenities are very nice here. At Grand Rex Beach. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. It was Rex Ryan. Yes. Rex Ryan knocked at
1: your door.
0: <laughs> hey, can I give you a foot <laughs> rub? I'm very
1: uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. So uh, the Twins have a one-game lead over the Guardians, a two-game lead over the White Sox. But yep. here's, here's the conundrum. The Twins play the Dodgers on the road for two games. Maybe the best team in baseball. Their pitching staff's a little out of whack right now, but that's still a ridiculous team in lineup. Meanwhile, the Guardians and the White Sox get to feast if they choose to on the bottom of the American League Central. So the Guardians get the Tigers, and then the White Sox get the Royals. So things could tighten up here even more than they already are as we look in the the present of Twins baseball. But uh, Judd, you suggested I, I think we always pride ourselves here on Mackie and Judd and on Purple Daily getting out ahead of potential talkers call it reckless speculation call it just you know wanting to yeah be the bu- the buzz factory oh buzz, buzz
0: factory, oh, buzz buzz factory.
2: Fa- people oh, laughed know, at us when we suggested that Jose Brios might be traded last summer around may or june you guys are just drumming up randomness right uh, sometimes we are and sometimes we are we are soothsayers and so i think this is a good time here as the twins have you know day off yesterday and some time to collect their thoughts how well has the Carlos Correa signing worked, big picture, to this point? And what are the chances that he still has a Twins uniform on You know, a year from now or at the beginning of, of next season? Let's do kind of a, a state of Carlos Correa and the Twins little segment here on Mackie and Judd.
0: So full disclosure, I think I got this idea on Saturday from Twitter. I tweeted something about Correa oh, not coming. Stole it. Yeah. oh yeah no oh yeah and and i'm and i don't know <laughs> shockingly don't know the person's name but somebody tweeted me <laughs> oh. about correa and said why are you assuming he's not coming back he's not having a great year i think it
1: was ross actually that said this ross Brendel. well anyway it's a good yeah, he's
0: your so, coworker
2: for several yeah, years yeah. actually
0: ross yeah. Brendel. Well, ross Russ. if it was you i apologize if it wasn't i thought it was somebody else i don't know i, I don't really care my point is I have been of the mind like like blinders, right? correa has gone, correa has gone, correa has gone, because it just makes sense. There's an yeah. opt-out and he's really good. Um But then, you know when it's when you go back and or now and look at the stats, they're not great. Um, I think he's done a lot of good things. And again, for the second consecutive offseason, there's going to be some big name free agent shortstops that are gonna create a competitive market. Um Xander Bogarts of the of Boston is one. Um, um, the guy from the Dodgers is it Turner. Trey
1: Turner.
0: Is, is go- Trey yep. Turner. Yep. Trey Turner is one. Dan Zuby
2: so, Swanson is also a free agent. Yeah,
0: and that's a huge one. So the point is, for the second consecutive year, there's going to be competition that's going to make it very hard because we still think at the age, I believe he's 28 now, Correa wants a 10-year contract or an 8-year contract, a long-term huge commitment. Um, if he gets himself to free agency winter of 2023 next year, it's going to be, I think the market then is going to be a lot more favorable. So I decided, you know what? That's not a bad point, like, I need to stop thinking of he's gone for sure. Not because he, uh, desperately wants to stay here, but because the circumstances might dictate Scott Boris saying opt back in for a year and then let's go. Maybe.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I think to that point he's been really valuable for the Twins and I and I think he's a he's been a huge catalyst behind the scenes pushing for them to be as aggressive as they were at the trade deadline. But he's also having one of the worst years of his career. And it's and it's not it's not a train wreck season cuz he's a really good player, but you know, whatever you want to look at, you want to look at OPS, you want to look at some of the defensive metrics, you want to look at wins above replacement. You know, he's, he's he's on track to be like a three wins above replacement player, but at his peak, I think he's more like four, five, six. So, again, not a train wreck season. He's been valuable, and he's made some big plays defensively, and I think his presence, the, the fact that he's on the team and contributing at the level that he is, is part of the reason why the Twins are leading the division on the field. And then, from what I've heard behind the scenes, him sort of pushing, respectfully, but pushing for the Twins to be aggressive at the deadline, I don't think they make the moves that they did if he's not on the field and if he's not behind the scenes. Yes. So his impact has already paid off. Them being aggressive before the season, even if he's not having a career year, has led to them being in this place and adding the pieces that they did at the trade deadline.
0: And so he, in my opinion, is what Nelson Cruz was in 2019 locker room-wise, but here's the difference, And, and this I think is incredibly important. At the plate, he has definitely not performed up to the expectations that we probably all had when he surprisingly signed with the Twins in March. But I will continue to go back to this because we take it for granted. When you watch him at shortstop, and look, he has made errors. I get that. He's made some. I get that. He's not perfect. But you know what he is? He's damn good. And he plays a premium position that is incredibly tough. And he makes plays now that I think we as fans say, well, of course, he did. He's Carlos Correa. And the reality is, if you plug like the last five to 10 to 15 twin shortstops in, they don't make a lot of those plays. And so I think what he's brought from a clubhouse standpoint, which in my opinion is huge, and what he's brought from an up the middle defensive standpoint. And also, Phil, he is, and, and this is important ideally, your shortstop is your captain. Like, he's your defensive captain. He is the captain of... He's the guy that can make the the infield, at the very least, tick, right? Sets a tone. Um, he does those things. He is the consummate professional, and he's damn good at a lot of things that I think are difficult. And so I would never say, well, that didn't work out. Now, would would we all like to see the offensive statistics go up? Absolutely. But I would never sit here and say, you know what? The Twins would be in first place right now without him. Because I don't think that they would be. And I also think your point is dead on. I don't think that they make the trades, which were substantial deadline deals. I think they make a trade. But I don't think they make the trades to get three pitchers if if Jorge Polanco is your 2022 starting shortstop.
1: I think it's unequivocally, yes, it's been worth it. Um, let's also look at all right. So their shortstop before Carlos Correa, and I know there were some apples and oranges moved around here, but Isaiah Connor Falefa was going to be their shortstop. He was here for like maybe 36, 48 hours. But Isaiah Connor Falefa has been worth about a little more, little less than a win than Carlos Correa this season. He's been a decent hitter. He's hitting like two seventy one, but Carlos Correa is worth two point eight WAR. Uh, Isaiah Connor Falefa is worth one point six, so he's been worth over a win more than Isaiah Connor Falefa. So that's an upgrade there. I think what's also invaluable to not just the the behind-the-scenes things is this dude has played in 79 playoff games. He's not even 30 yet, and he has played in 79 postseason games. And the Twins, Mm -hmm. whether it's the 4 teams, the early 2010 team, 2017, 2019, 2020, the list goes on. No matter who was on that roster, that core at the end of the day usually kind of bleeped down their leg. Carlos Correa does not have that in him. He's been to multiple World Series. That type of leadership is invaluable. And even if he's having a lesser offensive season than we're used to, he's still an above-average offensive player. So it's unequivocally been worth it. But to the point of people saying, well, if his numbers aren't great, could he potentially do one more opt-in? And then if he cashes back out after 2023, which is still on the table, that could be a potential opportunity but I think he's been unequivocally worth it and externally last thing to externally is I mean the season ticket holder factor like the people the twins needed something something to get a little bit of a jolt and I know their attendance hasn't been great this year but fans need some reason to come out to the ballpark and Carlos Correa definitely sparked that idea
2: see if he has a big second half and if he contributes in let's say a, a playoff series and they win a game or maybe they win a series doesn't that make it more likely he's going to opt out you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, maybe, maybe to frame this a different way. Are there any scenarios you can see in which, barring injury, he 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 opts back in as a healthy player at the end of the year? Or is there any scenario you guys can see that the Twins are the team that says, hey, uh, alright, so I know Corey Seeger got uh, 10 years, 325 from the Rangers when he was like 27, and uh, Francisco Lindor when he was 27 got th- 10 years, $340 million from the Mets, so we will give you, you know, he, consider this year one. One year, He's the highest paid shortstop on an annual basis at $35 million. He doesn't have the nine-year commitment. So consider this year one, but we'll give you eight years or nine years going forward and 250 to $300 million. Is there, is there any chance that that happens? And is there any chance he opts back in if he's healthy at the end of the year?
0: I think there's a very small chance that the Twins give out that type of contract. I just do um i think that Bo- i think because of the statistics that that um korea has put up this season i think that they might look at what he is trying to get which is a massive contract and they the the problem is they're not going to have a commodity in korea that that is is impossible to find right cuz you've got three shortstops I, I mean i think that the problem um, this past year was they when the uh stoppage came to an end the work stoppage that Boris took his client to market and teams were like dude we've got four guys here like like, like you're talking like, like like Trevor I'm, Story I, Yes and I'm talking Corey about a competition and... on the open market I mean yeah, to get yeah, okay. what to get what Carlos wants I think you almost need to have him be the only gem the only one and he's not and, and so and If he had had an incredible year, I think he's probably gone. I guess what I've been told to give some thought to, and I like this, is he hasn't. And so is there going to be a team that that says, we could sign Turner, Bogarts, Swanson? No, we're going to sign Carlos to a 10-year contract. And my guess is, the answer is probably no. Mm -hmm. So it's circumstances.
2: Yeah, like it's – um, it's these baseball contracts are so tough because a lot of guys don't hit free agency until they're in their late 20s, like 27, 28, because it takes a while to get called up, and then you're in the pipeline for six years until you can get free agency. Right. And then they want these 8-, 9-, 10-year contracts that take them into their late 30s. And time and time again, we see these as just terrible deals. <laughs> you know, the Albert Pujols one is probably the George right. Washington on the Mount Rushmore of bad 8-, 9-, 10-year contracts. So, yeah, I – I don't think Boris would even give the twin like for for the twins to make this happen. If they decided, screw it, we're going to give him an eight, nine, ten year contract because we just love what he brings. He's a leader. He's a he, he plays a premium position. We'll figure out the Royce Lewis thing later. You know, maybe Royce slides into second base after Polanco's done. I don't know. Maybe Royce plays third. Whatever. We'll figure that out. But we know we need Carlos Correa. I don't think they'd even be given a chance mid season if they said today. If they went to Boris and said, "Dude." God, we can't get enough of your guy. Here's a contract offer. <laughs> he wants five other teams to potentially be in the bidding, right? But how many teams, like you said, Judd? I mean, there's there there might be more of a market for shortstops this winter than last winter, because you've got Bogarts, Trey Turner, and Dansby Swanson all in the prime of their careers, and Bogarts Bogarts. By the way, um, I don't think he's officially opted out yet, but he has to opt out. He's going to. He makes twenty million dollars a yeah. year. He's not even one of the five highest paid. And short shortstops are making thirty five now. Yes, so correct.
0: I, I think he's gone.
2: Yeah. So, um, so I just I don't I don't see them getting into a a bidding war for an eight nine ten year three hundred million dollar contract. I don't even know if he's going to get those offers. That Trevor yes. Trevor Story wanted something like that too. Trevor Story wound up settling quote unquote for six years one hundred forty million dollars which you'll still be able to feed your kids just fine with six years, $140 million. So uh, I think you're just kind of hoping at this point for Correa to get hot down the stretch and perform well to lead you to the playoffs and maybe win a playoff game, playoff series. And then you kind of cross your fingers and say, all right, well, maybe he opts back in because he doesn't want to compete with the other three big-time free agents. Maybe he wants to go into next you know, 2023 into 2024. Or maybe he loves it. In Minnesota so much that he would be willing to listen if the Twins weren't the highest bidder. Maybe he would be willing to, but it was still like $250 million over eight years or something. Maybe he'd be willing to to play ball with a deal like that. But I don't know. It feels unlikely to me.
1: And going into the offseason after this year, so going into the 2024 season, the only real viable shortstop free agent as of now is Tim Anderson. So it'd be Carlos Correa, Tim Anderson hitting the open market. And Correa turns 30 in like a month here. Or excuse me, turns 28 in a month. He'll be 30 in that uh, offseason of 2023 going into 24. So it'll be him and Timmy Anderson basically duking it out as the top shortstops available. So there could be an idea there that he could cash in because there's not going to be as many people out on the market. But I, I would think if you're the twins, like he's making $35 million right now. I would say you probably have to rip up the contract and then offer him... 40 million per like uh, let's just call it 40 million per over five years and i don't know if the twins are going to do that
2: and he's not the best shortstop that's the thing yeah he's really good very good right but he's not the best shortstop no the
0: term the term concerns me too because if they're going after eight to ten years i'm probably out i hate those contracts i absolutely abhor them i think that they are Name me the last ten year contract that worked really well. I mean, Cano was a disaster. he is he's like bouncing around now i i I think the Braves uh picked him up and, and then cut him almost immediately because he's so cooked. Pool holes was an absolute disaster. I mean he's still yeah. a productive player at times, but my god, um so like if I was the twins, I'm not doing eight to ten years. I probably would draw the line at seven years or so. But like, it's not just a slam dunk of yeah. Just give you you be the team. Well, okay, I will be. But it's got to be reasonable, and and I am not going to give a guy term that so exceeds uh, common sense. Like I would never do if I was a team or a GM, I would never do anything over eight years, and eight years is pushing it to me.
2: Yeah, yeah. See, I, for I position man, players. yeah, he's and. Uh, once he gets to 34, 35, is he going to be able to play shortstop at a high level? That's the thing. Like, and, But some of these deals, you might front load them while the player's in their prime and then shave some money off on the back end of the deal. So could you get him to 37, 38 million, keep him the highest paid shortstop for the first three or four years, and then it comes back down the hill toward the back end? There's another factor here that the Twins should not sleep on, that we should touch on in this sort of state of Carlos Correa episode, but um, let's talk about the state of Judge Zilgad's belly here for a second. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, the state is good. The, the state is good. In fact, as I've been talking about now for months, down 40 pounds, thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers, and here's the best part, I'm keeping the weight off. That is the toughest thing, right? We've all lost weight, and we've all gained weight back. But in this case, I have the tools, I have the knowledge, and I am now on a plan where I can continue to keep the weight weight off. In fact, my wife Dawn, she said, you've lost so much weight, I'd like to too. She's down about 14 pounds now. So the Zoligat household, all about teamwork, down 50 plus pounds. And right now it's Livia's exclusive end of summer anniversary offer. You can join the program for 50% off. That's right. Imagine that, getting in shape, dropping the weight. All of a sudden, all those clothes fit 50% off right now. Call 855-GO-LIVIA, visit Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com, Livia.com. It's the first step towards you getting to look like you want you.
2: Uh, since we're talking about nutrition and health and all those things, let's also talk about how it impacts our dogs. The official dog food of Mackie & Judd is Nutrisource, a third-generation family-owned operation out of perham minnesota you'll see a picture here on the score North youtube channel this is stella the dog stella zolgad sitting next to her little training treats maya loves these training treats they are really by good. the way
0: the dogs love them yeah she
2: she almost tore apart the pocket of one of them i left a pair of shorts on the ground with some training treats in a pocket oh, she's like dude what do you what do you do <laughs> did you really do that yeah, she Well, listen, I mean, she loves the treats. I can't blame her. No,
0: I know, but you got to keep the treats out, out of the pocket because then oh. the dog is tempted. Yes, yes, Stella no. absolutely thinks that th- those treats are great. And the food, I'm going to tell you right now, 6.15 this morning, Dad got woken up because Stella said, it is time for my Nutrisource, get your butt out of bed and feed me, and so I did.
2: NutrisourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer near you. NutrisourcePetFoods.com, the official dog food of Mackie and Judd. So another thing here that, and again, this was kind of, I think this was sort of gifted to the twins that Scott Boris said, Hey, it doesn't look like we're going to get that 10 year contract this time around. The season's about to start. Yep. How would you guys like your very own Carlos Correa for $35 million? <laughs> One year deal kind of, and then we get to dictate if it's a two year deal, three year deal. Cause it's player, uh player option. So the twins shouldn't have to apologize necessarily. They've got Carlos Correa on their team and The fact that they made this signing and then subsequently went out and made these aggressive trades at the deadline, it's helping to change the perception, or should I say the reality, of how this team operates. They are largely averse to making splashy moves at the deadline, and they generally don't get their hands on top free agents in their prime. Josh Donaldson was like four or five years removed from his MVP season. There were some major injury issues. It was a big splash, but it it, wasn't like they were signing him You know, five other teams interested, 28 years old, he was into his 30s, right? And there's been a couple of, like Nelson Cruz was great, but he was also toward the end of his career. But in terms of in their prime sought-after free agents, the Twins don't get guys like Carlos Correa, and the Twins don't make trades for three really good pitchers at the deadline. So this whole last three or four months spearheaded by Carlos Correa has helped to change the perception and the reality of how this franchise operates It hasn't necessarily shown up in attendance figures as much as I maybe thought it would, but it's something that I think they should keep an eye on, that if they keep doing things like this, they will get back in the good graces with fans, they will win more games in the postseason, and they will have a chance to maybe be actually relevant instead of a laughing stock in October.
0: Yeah, and I think if the Twins can win a playoff game, which we have talked about continually, I think the perception immediately begins to change significantly, right? Cause that's that 18 game streak is an albatross. It is such an embarrassment. Like, like it's the punchline of punchlines. You have the longest losing streak in North American sports history of any sport that we basically follow. Um, and so I think a playoff win is a huge step towards, towards changing a perception that, that the one thing that this administration hasn't changed one bit is that. The other thing I think about Korea that's so intriguing, and we saw this with Cruz, too, in 2019, and this is where it gets to be really interesting because there have been some, by the Falvey regime, some massive misjudgments and some great moves, is the chemistry of the clubhouse. Go back to, was it 2018, when, when Lance Lynn signed in spring training and Addison Reed came aboard, and, you know, some decent little pieces. Oh, and wow. we're all like, oh, man. And it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Those guys were, well, in Reed's case, I think he, he was just a big jerk. Um, Lynn was unhappy. Everyone felt like they, they hadn't got paid. It was a complete, complete disaster. 19, Cruz comes aboard, completely changes everything. And I think it speaks to this, too, right or wrong. I think the Twins don't have, from their core group, a ton of strong personalities. I think Rosario was, and I think he was goofy but liked. But, like, I think Buxton is a good guy. I think he's very smart. But I think he's a, I'm going to let my play talk for me guy. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't think Buxton takes control, which is, again, that's not a criticism. It's what I perceive to be the reality. Anyway... Last year, J.D., right? I mean, Byron Buxton basically said, I couldn't stand the guy. The clubhouse sucked. That doesn't help you at all, especially when, when until the meltdown on Sunday, Rocco has never been like this really strong character guy himself as far as, as, far as I'm taking control now. It definitely felt like in 19, Rocco much preferred the fact that Cruz played a huge role in setting the tone in the clubhouse. Now, with Carlos, we're sort of back there. And I don't, you know, we can, we can crunch all the stats that we want, and they're important. I'm not discounting them. But, you know, if you don't understand the importance of chemistry in sports, you're playing fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. Like, those are rosters. I put together my roster. It's fantastic. Okay, but do you have the right people? And that's where I think the Correa thing is such a gift. I mean, it's very clear from the day he got here, and this is an it factor, because he didn't know like a ton of this team, but from the day he got here, I think the tone of that clubhouse changed, not just because he's won, not just because he is at his best a great player, but he also is a guy who has the it factor that people gravitate towards. And I think that's been a huge part. Of the fact that that this team is afloat still,
2: yeah, I think he's one of the only players on the roster that has been on a team that has won a playoff game. There's probably some others. I'd have to go um, kind of comb through, but none of the longtime Twins, if you've just been in the Twins organization, you haven't won a playoff game before. So it'd have to be one of the other outsiders, like yeah. a, like Chris Archer has won. A, has been Gary a- Gary and Gio. Yep, that's it. <laughs> I <guess> so twins. <laughs> yeah. So I think that matters. I don't, you know, again, give me the more talented player over the more experienced or, you know, uh, decorated player. But I I do think there's a place for it. And I think I think you're right about some of the some of the things that that Carlos Correa brings are are hidden value that you wouldn't necessarily see on the fan graphs stat page. So uh, so there it is. There's your sort of state of we think it's worth it to this point. And if you're going to have Carlos Correa, you should double down at the deadline. They did. So, another green check mark. And now we'll just kind of see is he playing out his last couple months in a twins uniform, or is there a path for him to remain a twin for next season? All right, boys, every single Tuesday, every single Tuesday, we go through and rank things because we like to rank things on this show. It's what we call the pecking order. And today's packing order, Vikings themed, which we will get into, is presented by our friends at Spiral Light Candles. If you guys are bad at gift ideas like I am, Judd, you know, Spiral Light Candles might be a great thing for you to put in your back pocket.
0: That's exactly right. And if you go to spirallightcandles.com right now, you are going to find Judd's Purple Positivity Candle. And right now you're saying Judd's Purple Positivity. Judd's not positive, but if you heard Purple Daily today, you heard me singing the praises of a bunch of players and ability that that the Vikings have for this year. And as a tie-in, when you are watching games, you know what? You're intense, right? You're intense, you're pacing, you're up and down. Spiral Light Candles and Judd's Purple Positivity Candle in particular will calm you down. They will help you take a deep breath as you smell the fantastic scent, as you basically make yourself into one with the game because now you're calm. Now you're channeling things. It's fantastic. So, again, check it out. Uh, Spiral Light has an array of great candles. Visit SpiralLightCandles.com, SpiralLightCandles.com, but make sure as football season approaches, you make the Purple Positivity Candle part of your household. It's a great gift as well.
2: It's a first-string candle, which means it's not going to fit into the pecking order today. Judd has put together a list of third-string Vikings quarterbacks that the public and fans either wanted to be elevated or... Or that we remember because they are memorable. So, yes. I love this. We're digging in the bag of obscure third-string Vikings quarterbacks, baby.
0: Yes, I came up with six. Uh, m- most of them, all but one, I think, since two thousand, because it feels like th- this has become more of a-, a thing, especially for like third-string guys. So, real slappies. This list is open for interpretation. So, like you, you might have more. Um, I sent this to Chip Scoggins. <laughs> And, and I said, am I missing any names here? And he said, not that I can think of. But again, there it's entirely possible. So this is not a definitive list. This is my personal list. Okay. So feel free to add on, all right? I'm going to start at the bottom. There's six. I'm going to work my, my way up to the champion of the slappy third-string <laughs> Viking quarterback that we all thought had to be given some type of chance. At number six, this is as much because of the name... As the player himself, okay? Taken by the Vikings, 2008 out of USC, JDB, John (laughs) David Booty. Yes. JDB. What round Um, was he again, fifth round? He was the, he was, uh, I think he was, yes. In fact, I think he was a So if I'm not mistaken, this was one of the first trades in years that year made between the Vikings and Packers. Uh, They exchanged draft picks. And I want to say, if, if I'm correct here, Uh, The Vikings took JDB with the Packer pick, and the Packers might have taken Flynn with the Vikings pick. I think they both took quarterbacks. But I don't recall a hue and cry for JDB to play, but people loved his name. Oh, yeah. And he played at a big school, um, and I had forgotten this. He was the player who had to surrender the number four to Brett Favre in 2009 because he had the number four jersey. And I bet he got nothing for that. But JDB is number six.
1: I love John David Booty. I thought he was convinced. I was convinced. Pre-Brett Favre speculation, I thought, JDB, we got USC's quarterback. This is going to be awesome. In terms of my Mount Rushmore of obscure athlete loves, at least locally in this town, I think JDB might be my George Washington, dude. I I wow. love George, John That's David. That's so Kennedy. random. It's so it is. Why he was what? like of all stuff. because the Vikings guys, couldn't find JDB? a quarterback. He was at USC. Okay. He won the Rose Bowl. Like I would like we young. got John. Yeah, I was young and stupid. I'm still You're old and older and stupid. Um, yeah, but so but yeah, I I thought it was, and Judd was right. Uh, Green Bay sent their 137th pick. Uh, their fifth round pick, seventh round pick to Green Bay for the fourth round pick one thirty seven. So it was a a trade with the Packers to get
2: JDB. He had to have gotten something for that number four jersey, right? A, a watch, a gift card, Trader Joe's. Like something? here's my question. Pair
1: of Wranglers.
0: Here's <laughs> yes. my qu- here's Some my icy question. hot? Did That's did Brett Favre even know that someone else had four? B- no, I'm
2: sure the Vikings. The Vikings probably got out in front of this, right? Yes. Before, as, as Favre was in the SUV being followed by the five witness news chopper, Pikes. right? There's someone, someone that worked on the insides, like JDB. Dude, we got about 30 minutes till the equipment Favre guy gets just here. Went and took it. We need that jersey. Yeah, the equipment guy just Bro? went and
0: took it out of his <laughs> locker, and he's like, "You're now number 12 or something like that."
1: According to his Wikipedia page, too, he also a week before the draft stated on national TV that he hoped to be selected by the Minnesota Vikings jdb
0: did. <laughs> i read called that the shot
1: dude i have no recollection of that he called his shot yes Amazing. and he so he he was uh
0: taken in 2008 stuck around for that year and then was on a practice squad in 2009 and was released from there and i don't know if he's surfaced again or not but long live the memory of oh, jack's favorite guy yeah, john J-D-B. david booty jdb what a great name all right number five on my list This man is still playing professional football, although not in the National Football League. He has three names, and now we're going to get to guys that I remember people saying, you got to give this guy a chance. McLeod, Bethel, Thompson. Oh, yes. Signed it up still. Signed in January of 2012. I forgot this part. Beat out Sage for the third string job that year, but was released to make room for... Josh Freeman, before he started against the Giants, mm. returned briefly in 2014 for a practice squad stint. But the the great McLeod Bethel Thompson fact is he was the guy who was removed from the roster to create room for the man that would sling footballs all over Giant Stadium on a Monday night.
2: I love that we are through two names here and we are we're through two quarterbacks but we have six total names involved in the two. John David Booty, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Yeah, you're
0: right. You're exactly right.
2: Max efficiency for sure. Yes. All right, that's all so, I have on McLeod Bethel. Thompson.
0: <laughs> I just remember cuz he he had a huge arm. Like fans were like you got to play him. Like it, it, it that arm's unbelievable. Jeff Josh George Freeman had a huge yes, arm so too. He. Yeah, and the football was sailing all over Giant Stadium that night. All right, number 4 on my list is a guy who was starting the National Football League as recently as last year. I don't know where he is now, possibly still with the Commanders, Taylor Heineke.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, dude. Yeah. The I think story. he is still. i think he' pretty sure he's still with the, the yeah, Commanders. Yeah, I forget where he okay. is. Falcons, maybe?
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I have no idea. I have no idea. I think he was about to retire commanders. a couple years ago, and then the Commanders called him and are like, hey, we got an, a job here, and he's like, oh, and, and was starting – it felt like fairly shortly thereafter that um, signed as an undrafted free agent in 2015 from old dominion. He was behind uh, Teddy and Sean Hill, his rookie year, but you talk about an opportunity missed. This is where the Heineke meets the road. Oh my <laughs> he, God. he had the chance and put the pieces of the puzzle together here. Uh-huh. He had the chance to win the backup job over Sean Hill in 2016, and the team liked him. But if you recall, in Mankato, he Mm -hmm. started training camp on the non football injury list, the NFI, because under mysterious circumstances, he had supposedly, he and his friend had gone to a movie and had forgotten their keys, and he tried to use his foot to kick out a window and severed, uh, I don't know, something in his leg. Um. This is 2016, so this is the year where, unfortunately, Teddy's leg in a training camp practice at Winter Park basically implodes or explodes, and if Heineke, if Heineke hadn't tried to do something, I'm still not c- convinced that we actually have the real story, but if Heineke hadn't got hurt, do you trade for Bradford?
2: Yes, he Does would have Heineke been, start. Heineke wouldn't have started. He would have been the backup, right? Who was the, Who was the backup behind Bradford that year? Sean because Case Keenum didn't come around. So Sean, Sean Hale. Hale. but Sean so, Hill literally so, just couldn't play. Like yeah. Could, so, so, so they would have traded for Bradford, but Heineke would have been a very solid number two quarterback, and maybe they actually. I think the real question is because then he went on. They kind of you know severed ties with Heineke. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. yeah I really uh, then he went, to Houston, he went to Houston in 17. So what would have happened in 2017? Bradford probably still starts the season as he did as the starting quarterback. Yep. But maybe they don't sign Case Keenum because they feel good about yeah. Taylor Heineke as their backup. And we never get the 2017 Case Keenum Magic Cup ride. Or do we get a Taylor Heineke Magic Cup ride in 2017? Well, that's a question. Mm-hmm. I will say this. Um I've covered the Vikings
0: consistently since 2005. The Heineken injury information and explanation is, I think, atop my list of things. I still think we don't know what happened.
2: Secrets, yeah.
1: Do you really
0: think he tried to kick in? Like, I I guess totally drunk he might have, Yes. but it feels like there is. But at least that, like, at least if they had said the dummy was drunk, they're... They're like, oh, just try to kick it in. Judd,
2: actually, can you make note for next week here or I a future week? It. I need you to make a note here. We, you just stumbled on a great pecking order. Vikings right. mysteries that we need to get to the bottom of. What happened between Norv Turner and Mike Zimmer? Oh, what right. happened to Taylor Heineke's leg? Alright, We just it. there's probably ten more we could think of. Vikings, Vikings that. <laughs> mysteries that we need. Vikings unsolved mysteries is what we can unsolved
0: call mysteries. The ID channel. <laughs> All right. So Taylor Heineke is number four. My top three now. Number three, the man who being claimed by the Chiefs made Brad Childress a very angry man, yes. Tyler Thigpen. Oh, yeah. Tyler. Tyler was drafted by the Vikings in the seventh round in 2007. The team liked him a lot, but logically tried to sneak him through to the practice squad. But he was claimed by the Chiefs after completing three of six passes for 29 yards and gaining 18 yards on two scrambles in a preseason game at the Dome against the Rams. More importantly, Childress said he thought it was what the Chiefs saw from Thigpen in the joint practice that they held at that time because the Chiefs were were training in River Falls, Wisconsin, and the Vikings were in Mankato. And I believe that that was the last time for a long time. That the Vikings held joint practices, Tyler Thigpen. I think that there's a fighting chance the Vikings were more upset by him being claimed than the fan base, but that still
1: qualifies. Let me tell you a little uh, Tyler Thigpen story too, because another obscure wow. quarterback. Uh, I nice. had a I had a I had a fantasy football bye week from hell in 2008. I had like my starting quarterback went out week one. I think it was Carson Palmer. I was starting a different quarterback every week because like I couldn't find one. And in week, I looked this up, in week nine of 2008, I was forced to start Tyler Thigpen from the Kansas City Chiefs, and the dude balled out for three touchdowns, 266 (laughs) yards, and I won a fantasy football matchup starting Tyler Thigpen. And for whatever reason, just like JDB, I have an obscure uh, obsession with the guy.
0: (laughs) And he got signed by the, the Buffalo Bills eventually, I think, to be their starter at one point, if I'm not mistaken. He, he got did. signed well, by Buffalo, kind of. and the Vikings, the Vikings at that time tried to reacquire him.
2: So yeah, it's, Here's the funny thing about Thigpen. So that 2008 season that Declan's referring to, he he came in. I can't remember what happened there. Kansas City must have had a starter go down with an injury or something. That was before they acquired Matt Castle because he started for the Patriots in 08. So I don't know what was going on with the Chiefs in 08, but... Uh, Thigpen went 1-10 in 10 over 11 starts. He played in 14 games, 11 starts. He was 1-10. I think the game you're referring to was the game that he won Yeah. <laughs> in 2008. Yes. And then from that point forward, and he was yeah, he, he, 55% completions, so not very good, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The league saw enough. And he was only 24. One start the rest of his career. The league saw enough of Tyler Thigpen in 2008. <laughs> Vikings had high
0: hopes, man. That's all I remember, okay?
2: Yep. Amazing. All right, number two?
0: Number two on the the list of gone-but-not-forgotten, basically third-string quarterbacks who never really had a chance to play, but somebody was upset that they didn't get their opportunity in purple. Number two on the list. Actually goes back to the uh, the only guy on this list from the 90s, which is seventh-round pick, 93, Heisman Trophy winner from Miami, Gino Toretta. Um, Gino Toretta. So, so this is so long ago that I tried to find the box score for this game, and I you can't find it. But he came into a game that the Vikings lost, and I think rallied pretty hard in the preseason at Kansas City. They lost twenty-seven to twenty. Toretta though led the comeback, and I want to say this is like two years into to the, the launch of KFan and this might have been the first time that we actually had like a like a hot take talk radio sports you got to give Gino Toretta a chance oh, gino played dad. great he deserves a chance he does a, you got to give him a chance it's like they're not going to but anyway this sort of launched i felt like the modern day not second not backup qb love Third QB love of you've got this guy looks like he's the real guy. I mean, he's the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, He did not get into a uh, regular season game during his time with the Vikings and was with the Detroit Lions by 94. But Gino Toretta is too, just based on the fact that he sort of launched the this guy's got no chance to play, but somebody wants him to.
2: I love that name too. That it feels like a football name from maybe a generation before he came in the league, like a 1950s or 60s, where you talk about Gino Toretta comes walking out on the field for the Penn State Nittany Lions. And he looks like a Gino too. Yeah, <laughs> he sort of looked like a Gino. Jet black hair, slicked back. a Little plate of pasta in front of him at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think number one becomes pretty obvious then. Yeah. Yes. I would be shocked who, if it's not who I'm thinking of.
0: Yes. Number one number one is still around in the National Football League. In fact, he played in the, if I'm not mistaken, and pretty well statistically, in the USFL this spring. But he's now a Jacksonville Jaguar with no opportunity to play, mm. of course. Listed technically as a Viking from 2017 when he was claimed, uh, I think he was claimed off waivers from Denver through 2019. Kyle Sloater. Kyle Sloater. and And you know what? I even went and crunched his preseason stats. I went and and looked at all his Viking box scores and put them together to see, really, who was one of the great preseason quarterbacks in Vikings history. The king of the exhibition. (laughs) Kyle Slaughter, in four preseason games as a Viking, so he, he was claimed from the Broncos, after the preseason in 17. So he played in two preseasons, 2018 and 19 with the Vikings completed 80 of 108 passes for 809 yards and wait for it. Eight touchdowns with one pick the hall of, if the Vikings had a ring of honor (laughs) for preseason excellence, Adi Cole, Definitely
2: goes in. Well, it's called she Mr. Just, it's called Mr. Mankato. Yeah.
0: Actually, no, but I'm just talking about preseason <laughs> games, just the preseason games. But anyway, yes, Kyle Slaughter is number one. He is, and, and I do I don't recall a quarterback who had no chance to play who caused more acrimony, like violent arguments, like down and dirty. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. I, I mean, agree. it was Cousins esque It was very weird. It was like, at least with Kirk. You know, with Kirk, it's frustrating at times, but it makes sense. Like, I get it. He's a starter. Kyle friendships Slo- were
2: severed, man. Friendships, yes, were, friendships severed. Family, were severed. Family gatherings were canceled because of Kyle Sloter's. Relationships
0: with media companies and people were severed. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was back and forth. It was downright nasty because of a guy who was great only in games that did not count. Kyle Slaughter, number one on my list. Mm-hmm. Amazing.
2: It's a great list, man. That is a great nostalgic list right there. I st- I still stand for... Tyler Thigpen, I can't believe no one else gave him a shot at age twenty-five going forward. I mean, the guy can't get five five more starts to build off what he did in Kansas City.
1: Mm. I would love to know how many people started Tyler Thigpen in that Week Eight game in ESPN <laughs> fantasy football leagues. I had to be like, there had to be less than ten. I might even be smaller. But it it got me a win, baby. It got me a win. So great. I'm eternally grateful. So there it
2: is. Judd's packing order. Declan's fantasy uh, peak moment of all time. JDB, Declan. JDB. And uh, all of it presented in part by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over 100 years helping business owners maximize their level of success through risk management tools and resources. You can find a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com to see if your business falls into their categories And maybe you guys can partner up and they can help you get to new heights. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Write that down, predictions and an accountability session on both Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily tomorrow. See you guys.